0: This is Intelligent
1: Performance. Welcome to Intelligent Performance, where we are fanatical about excellence in human endeavor. And today, there is some good and bad news. The reality is hybrid working is harming you. That's the tough message from our next guest, Mark Williams, a neuroscientist and a specialist on how to actually design hybrid working environments to actually work for humans. The reality is, if you think about how most companies transition to a hybrid world, is that they were notified of a lockdown on Tuesday and they moved to their meetings to online by Friday. There's not a huge amount of thought, consideration, or even uh, thinking which has gone on behind the scenes to make something like that happen. And this episode goes into why hybrid's hurting you and what you can do about it. Let's dive straight in. Mark, awesome to have you with us, and where we start with every guest is really your take on intelligent performance in your domain. Given mean, you're a neuroscientist, I'm intrigued to what, to see what you think, um, what's your take on intelligent performance?
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, Michael. Um, I, I think intelligent performance, so from a neuroscience perspective, I mean, I'm always going to take it back to the brain, but from a neuroscience perspective, we, we, we do most of our thinking in our long-term memory and we don't actually have access to our long-term memory so if you if you talk to anyone who's you know seen as a so-called genius such as einstein or um yeah anybody like that if you if you read how they actually came up with their amazing discoveries or their amazing ideas or hypotheses it was actually at night when they were sleeping so our intelligent performance actually happens when we're sleeping right? and, and that's what we need to do more of because that's actually when we actually come up with these great ideas and i all of really innovative ideas. And so sleeping is, is really, really crucial for us and, and that's when you come up with the good ideas, but you need to slow down to actually then access them. Um, so to actually access the information in your long-term memory, you need to slow down. You need to be actually calm. And and that's a big problem at the moment, right? Because everyone's busy um, because they're trying to do heaps of stuff because they're not actually getting much stuff done because we are less productive these days. And so we're not actually getting stuff done. And so we're not actually slowing down and getting access to probably a huge amount of really, really intelligent stuff that's in the back of our brains that we're, we're not accessing because we're too busy to actually slow down and actually get access to it.
1: Well, I love that answer, and I think it kind of typifies what this podcast is all about, where it's all about counterintuitive solutions or thinking, which actually produces enhancements in performance. So, yeah, I think you've typified that uh, perfectly. So, what we're going to start the conversation on today, so you're a neuroscientist, you've written a book called The Connected Species, and I think what's really interesting about your area is that it's all about the benefits of connecting with other humans. But the reality is, we live in a society which is becoming increasingly disconnected. Um, we think we're connected because we have a mobile phone in our pocket, and I can call anyone on the planet. But the reality is, I don't. And <laughs> actually, I feel you know you can feel lonely, and loneliness is on the increase. So, just tell us, smart, what's your take on hybrid perform? Sorry, hybrid working because it's all the rage. You know, you read headlines about corporates really struggling with this, forcing their workers back to work, and the young people, or maybe. Our Parents, you name it, they're revolting. They're leaving. What's your take on it?
0: Yeah, I I don't think it's good for us. It's not good for us as humans. We we are connected species. Our our brains have actually evolved um, to enable us to connect face to face to actually spend time with each other. And we we actually being lonely actually causes psychosis. Right, being isolated and lonely ends up causing a huge number of not only mental health problems, but also physical health problems. So if you want to be actually fitter, you should you need to spend more time chatting to people because it actually improves your cardiovascular system. So we we need to actually be with people, and we need to be with people to actually be able to collaborate with people as well, which is really what's important in organizations. Um, I think they, hybrid working can work. If it's done really well and if it's really hybrid as in, you know, two or three days a week or, you know, 50% of the time you are going into the into the workforce, you are going into work and spending time with people. And then the other couple of days you're working at home, but you're working on, you know, solidly working on stuff um, that you can do by yourself, but you can't collaborate with people and you can't work with people online you've got to do it face to face because that's when we get all the cues important cues to actually connect with each other and actually we we need to be face to face with someone to collaborate with them properly because you need a lot of cues that our brains automatically um, use to work out what the other person's thinking so you know body language is extremely important when you're collaborating with someone and that's all done really automatically through what we call our memory neuron system, and it helps us to understand what the other person's thinking and helps us to actually collaborate with them because we're more in sync with them. And you don't get that when you're online because you can't actually see all of their body, shoulders up, for example.
1: Uh, So we're connecting on a Zoom call, ironic, eh? (laughs) We're connecting, but we're not connecting. So tell me, what am I, quote-unquote, missing out on in terms of from a neurological perspective by us doing this versus us connecting in person. So. Yeah, beautiful. So first thing we, we would do if we actually met, you know, at a coffee shop or a if a
0: working place or whatever it was, usually what we would do or pre the C word, I won't mention the C word, but pre the C word. Uh, we used to actually <laughs> you know, <I'm> shape him, right? <laughs> yeah, I did, video <laughs> and I did video. <laughs> um, we used to shake hands with each other or we do some way of actually touching each other and that's really important because we have what's called c-fibres in our skin and we have the c-fibres and there's only one reason we have c-fibres and that's to touch each other because then it then activates an area of our brain which releases oxytocin which actually makes us more connected to the person that we just touched so you actually become more connected to them and you're more willing to actually collaborate with them and you're actually more like more willing to give them money as well for those out there who are actually salespeople, people the best way to actually make a sale is to shake the person's hand before you do the sale or try to make the sale um so that's really important so oxytocin is released when we actually shake hands we would then look at each other in the eye which releases serotonin and serotonin is another really good in- neurotransmitter which makes us feel more joyful over a long period of time and actually makes us more open to actually having a discussion with the person so that's a really important thing to and again we don't really get that eye contact when we're online especially if there's more than two people because you've got multiple people looking at you and when you've got multiple people looking at you that's really off-putting for us as humans because normally what would happen is one person would be speaking everyone would look at them and then someone else would speak and everyone would look at them but when we're on a zoom call for example there's more than people on the call everybody's looking at everybody all the time which actually releases uh, uh, um um sorry, releases uh, other neurotransmitters in our brain, which actually sets off our fight or flight response because we think that we're actually going to be attacked in that situation, which shuts down our ability to actually collaborate with it. <laughs> We've also um, the, got the body language, right? When you're actually sitting with someone, you actually have an area of your brain called the mirror neuron system, and that actually mimics what they're actually doing. So any movements that they make and any facial expressions that they do and any mouth movements and so on. So we can actually understand what they're saying because we use... Mouth movements, about 60% of what we hear is actually based on the mouth movements rather than the actual our auditory information that we're receiving. So we understand what they're saying better, but also the facial expressions. So we actually mimic their facial expressions. So if they're feeling happy and they're actually enjoying the collaboration, we actually feel happier because neurotransmitters are released to inform us that that person's feeling happy, so we should feel happy, so we can interact. We then also have all our body is actually activated. So our muscles are actually activated to actually mimic the other person so that we actually get into sync with them. Um, and so that actually helps with that collaboration as well. So you've got the uh, oxytocin, serotonin, and then the endorphins associated with actually making that connection, actually mimicking that person. That all happens that we don't get when we're online. It's also recently been shown, which is just insane, um, that when teachers they, they've done it with teachers, and you know, I mean, there's no reason why it wouldn't happen with other groups as well. But yep. when they put EEG setups on teachers and all the students in the class, that students that are actually connected to the teacher actually like the teacher. Their brains actually sync up. So our brains oscillate in different... Wow. Synchronies, yeah. When they're actually teaching them and they actually like each other, their brains actually sync up and they actually start synchronizing. When they desynchronize, they actually don't learn as well. So they don't learn the information when they're actually desynchronized. And then when they synchronize, they learn the information that the teacher's actually trying to teach them. And and there's other evidence that it happens with uh, mutton mothers and children, um, and with people who you know you respect and so on. So all of that information, again, doesn't happen when we're online. So you don't, your brains don't sync up because you don't have all those other things going on so that you can actually sync up, so that you can learn from the person even better. So those are some of the really important things that happen um, that don't happen when we're, on, when we're online. We tend to just get dopamine when we're online, and we either get dopamine or we get cortisol. And cortisol, of course, causes stress. And increases the likelihood of us shutting down and that fight or flight response going off. And dopamine gives us this really short burst of of happiness, but it's not sustaining, and it's actually what causes addiction. So it's not, not it's okay, um, but you need those other neurotransmitters to actually really make connection with someone and to really learn from someone.
1: Wow. And that makes sense <laughs> Sorry, I just threw a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, I feel like we've got three hours of content in that seminar. so um like extraordinary in terms of what's actually happening. And I'm I think where I'd like to take this conversation is really the impact then on on companies more broadly, because I would you say well could could you kinda of maybe it's a long bow to, to draw, but between let's say that teacher and the and the children example, do you think that would be relevant for a boss and or a team leader and their team? Would that be a, a fair um Oh absolutely. I mean any any leader what what you're
0: doing is you're trying to get I mean, a leader is not a leader unless they have followers. So you actually need followers to become a leader. I mean, you can be given a management job, but you're not actually a leader until people are actually following you and willing to follow what you actually do. And to, to, to have people following you means that they're actually learning from you, which means you're a teacher, right? And so anybody in any sort of leadership job, it really is a really good teacher. Um, and they're teaching these people to you know believe in the, in the values of the company and to believe in the ideals of the company and to actually want to collaborate and help the company to grow and help the company to do better. And so to do that, you need to connect with the person or the people. And the only way you're going to do that is face-to-face at the initial stages or to have other people who have that connection with you and are willing to actually spread that around. But then they have to do it face-to-face. So, you know, people like Branson, for example, they're amazing because they have teams underneath them that they they connect with and then those people go out and connect with everybody else and and then everybody loves Branson through those connections. But the connections are made face-to-face. They're not made online. They've got to be that real connection with each other so that you get those really important neurotransmitters released so that you actually trust the person so you'll listen to them. Because we don't listen in the same way. We listen differently to someone that we're a member of their in-group versus someone who we're not a member of their in-group. We actually hear the information differently because the information we hear is based on our memory and and who we actually like and who we don't like. Just processing it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm flowing a lot out. It's amazing. So okay. So let's say you're a company, you've mandated well, hybrid working. What do you th- what do you think's the cost to that company um over time as an example? Like if because I feel like we're very early days in this, it's all very exciting. This hype, you know, since the C word. Um, we've all given uh, hybrid working a go. We've certainly seen the quote unquote benefits of it. It's amazing I can, you know, drop my kids off to daycare. You know, I don't have to rush back and I'm not dealing with the daily commute. So there's all that kind of quote unquote benefit. What's the cost do you think which is maybe being overlooked at the moment, Mark? And how do you think that's gonna play out over time? Yeah, well, one of the big costs is productivity. So people aren't as productive
0: online and especially when you have those I won't mention the apps because, you know, they're obviously companies that <laughs> get very upset. But that those apps that are on there that are constantly giving you updates and notifications and all those things, they're actually destroying your productivity. So if you've got people working at home and they've got to be on whatever it happens to be um, and they've got that open and they're getting notifications all the time, then they're not working very productively. And the, and the reason for that is that we have um, – I talked before about long-term memory, which is where all the good stuff happens. You've got your working memory, which is what you're aware of at one point in time, which is sort of your consciousness and what you use to think and what you use to get stuff done. And hopefully, you, at the moment, all the listeners are listening to us, and they're using their working memory to do that, to actually listen to us. And they're blocking out everything else that's actually in their environment. Working memory is really, really limited. It's limited to what we call seven slots. I won't get into the details, but it means that... And, You're actually aware of very little at any one point in time, and that's controlled by your attention. Every time your attention gets dragged to something else, so if you get a notification, your attention gets dragged to whatever that was, and it completely wipes your working memory, which means you'll lose the last 90 seconds of what you're actually doing. We can't multitask. Our brains are incapable of multitasking. So every time you get a notification, you lose 90 seconds of your time. Wow. Which is why we're all damn busy these days and we're not getting as much done and we all feel really stressed and feel as though we've done heaps of work. But then when we actually look at it, it's not actually a lot because we've every time we get a ding or whatever, we lose 90 seconds of our day. So we're not working off a 24-hour clock anymore. We're working off something much shorter. Now, if you've got people working hybridly and they're working at home today and they've got that thing opened on their laptop or on their desktop or whatever it happens to be, Um, because they're supposed to be constantly monitoring that, then they're not productive, right? They're They're not not. actually working well. What you'd be better to do is say, you know, Mondays, everybody works at home and, and, you know, you've got to get a whole bunch of tasks done, but don't log on and turn off your email and get those tasks done. And then Tuesday the whole team comes into work and we get together and we go through what everyone's done and we connect with each other and we have lunch together and we chat and we actually, you know, collaborate and do all those things. And then Wednesday we all work at home. And again, we log off and we actually get shit done rather than, you know, be constantly distracted by always hybrid stuff. So hybrid working can work really well. It's just got to be designed for us, for our brains, and not designed for tech companies who want to constantly distract us because that's how they make money. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and we can do it well, but we have to have days where people actually come in and actually connect with each other. Otherwise, you get disconnection. And, I mean, that's why we've got this huge, everyone's resigning from everywhere because they don't feel connected to the companies they actually work for. Right? They don't actually feel as though they're part of that. They don't understand the values. They don't have, they don't have leaders, right? Because, as I said before, you, you're not, you're not, Just because you're a manager doesn't make you a leader. You're a leader if you've got followers. And so you have to have people following you to be a leader. And people aren't becoming followers because they don't have any connection to the leaders. And so therefore, they don't feel any connection and therefore, they're not going to actually stay, And they're not going to put in that extra mile, right? They're not going to put in that extra. uh, And they're not going to be thinking about, you know, how can I improve this or how can I improve when they don't have any connection to the company or any real loyalty to
1: them. the irony is my notification just went off in the background there as you may have heard and it's uh, <laughs> kind of typifies the example of yeah like i feel like a lot of companies and this comes back to the whole essence of intelligence performance right is that doing counterintuitive things so being able to access your email 24 7 actually isn't always good in fact what you're saying mark is it's actually bad it's and really bad <laughs> really bad yeah and i think you could say you know team slack you name it like we are increasingly connected whatsapp be a good example just before we jumped on you know i've got whatsapp which i don't need to respond to it any but you know and it's just it's amazing how much we are prompted to then engage on those platforms and and that's so that 90 in wiping i often feel like that when uh, i was doing an interview last night and i got a text message or something like that and then I really did lose track. of the you know, fascinating guy I was talking to. So, how permanent or how severe is that? When you say wiping, is it really like, um, like using a squidgy kind of through your brain, like you literally remove, or, or is it, it? Does it take a lot of cognitive effort to kind of recover that, or what is that? No, it's gone. So, so what actually
0: happens in our brain is We use our working memory to 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 hold things in our consciousness in our working memory and that's really limited so it's only a limited amount of money a little limited amount of um slots and you've got to hold it there for long enough for then to be transferred to a temporary store and then at night when you're sleeping it's then transferred to your long-term memory after your long-term memory goes through this rejigging because our long-term memory isn't based on what we remember it's actually based on what's going to be useful for the future and so it gets rejigged and then the information in that temporary store gets transferred to that that long-term memory so that you can actually remember it for the future. But if you are if you don't hold things in your working memory long enough, then they never get into the temporary store. So that there's no chance of them actually then going into your long-term memory. So you've got to go back. So I'm sure you've had the you know, experience of you reading a book and then someone interrupts you, asks you a question, and then you've got to go back a couple of lines to remember what you were just reading. So it's been wiped, right? And, yeah. Yeah? And we don't actually realize that but I mean, all of this stuff's constantly being wiped you know you write in an email and you get a beep and then you gotta go back and oh what was i actually writing yeah that's right yeah yeah because it's been wiped um and so we're actually losing that previous 90 seconds of what we're doing each time so we you know many of us are probably working off a 16 hour day now
1: 14 hour day rather than a 24 hour day and then you say detract sleep from that and so you're working on what you're saying very far more condensed timelines yeah if you're if you've got an employee who's you know doing an eight hour day
0: and they've got their these apps open on their laptop, then what they're probably working is a four hour day because that other four hours has been lost by these constant notifications that they receive, yeah. um, plus then on top of that if you're if you're you know emailing your employees at night and all the rest of it and expecting them to actually reply to that. Then, then they're even more stressed, right? Because during the day, during that eight hours, they're trying to get eight hours of work done. In only four hours, they're really stressed because they're not actually getting it done. Plus, you know, being constantly distracted means you're even more stressed because of that, because cortisol is released every time you get one of those beeps or whatever. Um, so you're already really stressed. And then after hours, you're getting emails from work and everything where you're not really ever logged in off. So you go, oh, shit, or begin or he's trying to do this or we're going to do this tomorrow or whatever. And so you never really turn off and so you never access that long-term memory to work out how you could be improving things and how you could be doing things better. Plus, you're constantly stressed. You've constantly got this cortisol level which are really high, um, which which again, it causes cardiovascular problems and
1: all those sorts of issues as well. And the cortisol, so we really sort of need to. Just speak to that cortisol piece. Why is your cortisol elevated in that in that context? Um, when you become stressed, uh,
0: cortisol increases um, because your stress response releases cortisol, uh, or cortisol is released when you when you're stressed, which actually makes you feel stressed and increases your heart rate and does all those things. So cortisol is really good if you're a sports person, really short term because it does repair muscles and so on, and it, and it decreases pain in your muscles and those sorts of things. But in your brain, it's not so good because it actually decreases the likelihood of you remembering things because we don't want to remember stuff, which is really stressful and dumb. Um, And it decreases your ability to be productive because you're at a heightened level of stress when wow. you're over your productive level.
1: Wow. That is extraordinary because I was reading a paper recently like a group out of the UK where they looked at stress and were talking about helping athletes uh, prepare, also oh, manage uh, stressful scenarios better. And they were saying how they found it was more to do with the thinking around stress. So if you thought stress was bad, then it will negatively impact your performance. Like I feel anxious. Oh my god! And this is bad. But if you had a more balanced view on stress and understood actually it could there are certain benefits. Increases heart rate, um, adre- adrenaline, you know, is released and it allows you to focus and suppresses appetite, so you're not worried about you know eating <laughs> while you're trying to perform. So, which can be helpful. So, the there are there are certain benefits there. But you're saying the cortisol piece in the brain is actually again that's preventing knowledge retention, which. In a corporate context, have you said that when humans experience all these eyeballs, and I've been on company-wide, so there's like 80 people on the screen. Yeah, and, <laughs> um, so there's 80 people looking at you, cortisol is being released, and the company doing an update because they want you to remember it. But you're saying that could be completely counterintuitive. Yeah, absolutely. You should never, ever do presentations on uh, live
0: online, um, which you should be doing in an organization. <laughs> You should be recording the presentation and emailing the recording out to all your staff and then they get to look at the recording and whenever they feel, because that's real hybrid, right? Hybrid should be about I can work whenever I want when I'm working at home, right? And so if I want to, I can drop off the kids and do all that sort of stuff and then work and then pick up the kids and then deal with the kids. Um, and then when they go to sleep, I can do some more work. So I get my eight hours or 10 hours or whatever I'm expecting during the day, but I can do it whenever I want. But then then companies turn around and say, oh, but you've got to be on this meeting, or you've got to be at this thing, or you've got to be at that thing, which means that it's not real hybrid. You might as well be in the office because you've got to actually be available to do those things, right? So you're not actually making it hybrid at all. But also you don't want to have present log presentations on the Zoom thing, because as you said, you've got all these faces looking at you and you're not actually remembering any of it at all. So you send them the presentation via email, and then they look at it whenever they want to do, and then you have an opportunity. They can all email any questions that they've got, and then you have a 15-minute meeting where you go, okay, these are all the questions we had in relation to that thing, and here's all the reasons or whatever it is. Thanks a lot. See you later. Go and do your work. Um and not have these ridiculous presentations where you've got one person sitting there doing da-da-da-da-da, where it could, be. it could have been, as I said, recorded and sent to everybody. And then people who you know, want to watch it at 10 o'clock at night can, people who want to watch it at 6 o'clock in the morning can, people can watch it whenever they want to. And they can record, they, they can, sorry, not record it, they can um, go back, you know, if they miss stuff, or they can watch half of it, then watch the rest of it. They can write notes and then go back and watch it again if they want to and so on. Um, a much better way to actually run your meetings is to is to actually any presentations are are sent out.
1: Wow, it's fascinating when you start to think like not. There's not I don't know maybe maybe I'm just haven't been reading it. But in terms of, it doesn't sound like there's been a huge amount of thought into actually how to do this hybrid thing. May, maybe there's the research there, but it sounds like we all. Found out that COVID was happening, there was a lockdown happening next week, and then we all just, you know, like, oh crazy, well, let's just move this meeting online. And that was about as much in like intellectual rigor that was brought to this whole scenario. And we all kind of so what you're saying is actually quite different. You're saying not, not the hybrid can't work, it's just that you need to design from a and this kind of comes into your book here, like the connected species pieces that we you have to design hybrid around the human elements. Is that is that what I'm hearing?
0: Yeah, exactly. We've got, you know, we've got this squishy brain that hasn't really changed for about what, two hundred thousand <laughs> years or so. Right. It's designed on us all being out there walking around in the wilderness and, and hanging out over the fire and chatting to each other and being in groups and actually, you know, doing all that together and, and, and being able to survive because we collaborated with each other. And so we need to go, hang on, how does that work? I mean, most of the stuff we do on technology is designed by tech companies so that they can actually capture our attention so they can make lots of money. So at the moment, you know, most of us, uh, if you think about your employees, um, most of them are actually working for these tech companies because they're probably making more money for them than they are for you because they're spending more time on those apps than they are on, on your product or your oh. company. Yeah. So what we need to do is go, hang on, that's not working for us. It's working really well for those tech companies because those gurus are now buying lots of jets and flying to the moon and all the rest of it, but it's not working for us. And so what's going to work for us? And What's going to work for us is creating a a brain-friendly environment, right? Based on the fact that we all have these brains and that's the most important asset in any company, right? Is all of the brains of its employees. And you want to keep them healthy and you want to keep them active and you want to keep them involved in your company not in someone else's company. Um, and, And we need to think about how we can do that best. And yeah, hybrid can work really well as long as it's designed based on these squishy brains that we have, not designed based on what the tech
1: gurus over in the US want us to do so that they can make more money and buy another lead So, a powerful point, Mark. One question I've been thinking about more recently is around like assimilated knowledge. So I think there's a lot of it, and this is something I've, I've only really started to think about. So we, we do some work with... Um, supporting first-time leaders or for people who are kind of stepping into a leadership role—it's probably not, you know, directly leaders. They're kind of like certainly would be, be called a management or a manager. And what's interesting about that, especially more and more like now in today's modern age, is that maybe if they've been in their career like four years, they've spent two like they've, they've they've gone through COVID, they've spent two years at home, and now they're in a hybrid context. And I think early in my career, the amount of knowledge I got to like transcend from my boss who happened to be sat directly opposite me and i overheard him on the phone and I, uh, I saw him how he interacted with a colleague and i learned a bucket load by not actually talking to him and then you've got your colleague and i was in the sales role at the time and i've got my colleague and i heard him on the phone and i reflected recently i've just come out of a sales role myself i didn't hear a single sales conversation of one of my colleagues during that time. Instead, I heard their recollection of what happened during a sales interaction. And that's two very, very different things, right? Um so what about this assimilated knowledge? I feel like that's the arguably the real cost that people early in their career, they don't it's almost like they don't know that they don't know their missing hour. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a real problem I think with where we're where with Where
0: we're headed now, um, because the more we allow people not to come into work, the more they're not going to come into work. And therefore, the less they're actually going to learn, and the less they're they're going to like that, because we learn from each other. um, Because again, we've got this wishy brain that was designed, not designed, it was evolved um, in this environment where we were all just hanging out together and, and learning from each other. We've only had language for a while. Hundred and fifty thousand years or so. Language is really, really new. Before that, we just learnt from actually observing each other, and we've done that for millions of years, right? And that's through that mirror neuron system and the you know, eye gaze and all the rest of it. So, you know, if I look at something, you know that I'm actually meaning that that's what I'm talking about. So you actually then look at it as well, and all, all that sort of stuff. And so all of that stuff, what happens automatically, right? It doesn't. We don't need our working memory. To do all that stuff we do need our mer- working memory when we're talking we do need our working memory when we're reading but all that other stuff all happens automatically in the back of our brain and, and we don't even have to think about it so like you said you sit in there you would have been observing your supervisor you would have been absorbing all of that stuff but you wouldn't have even known that you're observing absorbing most of that stuff and then we mimic people who we respect we mimic people who we are connected with and so therefore you know you would have then started mimicking the things he was doing without even knowing it and picking up a lot of his mannerisms and all the rest of it which would have made you a better you know salesperson as well um but we're not getting any of that now i mean i was talking to someone yesterday about coffee um, and I was laughing about the fact that there's a whole bunch of people who just finished their psychology degree at university and most of them didn't spend any time with other people during their whole degree. And, and now they go out and work as psychologists and trying to treat people. And there's teachers out there that are going into schools that you know, have never actually spent any time in schools. I mean, that that's really scary. But also in any organisation, you need to learn from the people yeah, and you'll, we learn from people by actually being with them and interacting with them. Yeah, you know, that's why we have these apprenticeships. That's why we have, um, you, know, you know, unpaid work and all these things within organisations, so people can actually learn um, all these things before they actually get
1: into those roles, which is really important. So, you've you've taken the time to to write the connected species, um, and, and your focus there is talking about how. You know, understanding your brain can actually really improve the world. So, talk to us about what's that kind of bigger mission or bigger bigger piece that we perhaps we're not touching on here.
0: Yeah, I mean, my my goal is really to to create you know organizations where, which are brain friendly. That's what I really want to do. I work with both schools and with organizations. Um, I work with the Institute for uh, Sustainable Leadership, working with leaders. Um, and then I work with um, schools on on a teaching everyone about their brain so that we understand. What we're doing wrong and why we, you know, why it's not working and how we can do it better, how we can actually move forward, and then also creating environments that are good for our brains, which can actually enable us to, to thrive and to collaborate and to be more innovative, so that we can move on to the next level, right? Because we're really stagnated. We really haven't had, you know, there's a lot of bullshit in the media about, you know, artificial intelligence and so on. But artificial intelligence, the, the algorithms we're using, I actually used 25 years ago doing your own imaging data analysis right what we were using we've been using those same algorithms for probably about 40 years what, what do you
1: um, mean by that we mean the, uh, the specific algorithms you're talking
0: about so the algorithms are just learning algorithms so those learning algorithms that we we've got that support vector machines is you know the more technical term but the support vector machines are exactly the same as what we we designed 40 50 years ago the only difference that we've got now is the computers are much quicker than they've ever been before. And there's a huge amount of data out there yeah. that they're actually using to actually do it, right? So the actual the, the, the technology was there for a long time. It's just we didn't have the computing power. We didn't have the amount of data that we needed to actually do what they're doing now. But it looks more sophisticated, but it's actually no more sophisticated because it's just you know, these learning algorithms or these wow. core machines. Um, and, and we haven't really made any big leaps, right, in the last 40 or so years, 30 years, now, well, since the, the computer in Seoul. And to make the next big leap, we really need to make a change because at the moment, what we're doing, we're we're using um, a binary coding, right, to actually do things on our computers and so on. And we need it. We need the next step, which you know they're working on, and they're trying to work out whether or not they can do things like you know organic coding, or they can do um, uh, uh, some other form of um, computing to actually take us to the next level. But we need people who are brilliant actually working with each other and collaborating to work, you know, to get to the next step. And I don't think we're going to do that at the moment. And at the moment we're getting less intelligent too, right? So, so we've had the Flynn effect. So the Flynn effect is the fact that we've actually been getting more intelligent over the last 150 years or so, because, you know, since they started um, IQ tests, we've been testing... Um, you know, uh, across populations. Uh, the Flynn effect was showing that we kept getting more intelligent. In the last 10 years, we've actually got less intelligent. My IQ tests have to actually have to become more more simpler um, because the, the average has to be 100. So we're getting dumber. Um, and this is because we're not collaborating with each other. We're not spending time with each other. We're spending too much time on devices and not enough time actually interacting with each other. And we need to do more of that. And we need to understand how that works. I mean, there's a reason why Google has areas in its company, in its offices, where you're not allowed to take devices. Right? There's a reason why Mark Zuckerberg took all the devices out of his home when he had baby. Now, there's a reason why all these tech gurus now send their kids to schools where there's no devices, um, because they know that the devices actually cause an impact on our intelligence. And how are we going to become more intelligent and more able to, you know? Solve a lot of the problems in our world is to is to go. Hang on, this is our brain. This is how our brain works. Let's design the world so that that's optimised, not the bank balance of your tech theories
1: over in the US. Yeah, extraordinary. Wow, I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't. It's 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 funny because I when you sit on public transport at the moment, right? We uh, we were yep. in Sydney briefly. Actually, not even public transport. I think that's what's amazing. I, I was driving out my driveway. And I saw my wife open the gate and she got her phone out and she was sat on her phone. And she would have been a moment of like, you know, maybe 10 seconds. And it just struck me that maybe like the the superpower which Superman never had was that or never really kind of made a big deal of it. He wasn't addicted to a device. like He didn't look at his phone all the time. You know, regardless of his ability to fly, I feel like these days a real superpower is just not to be addicted to your phone, not pull it out every five minutes when you're bored, not for not to jump on Instagram or something like that. What, what's your take on that, Mark?
0: Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. I mean, a lot of the, the well, not a lot. Some of the ones that I respect in that in the futurist field, um, there's not many that I respect, but there's a couple. Um, they they argue that that the the most valuable Asset that an employee is going to have in the future is their attention. he being able to control their attention and not get constantly distracted by things, but through the fact that we've got these devices constantly. And so that's going to be the number one thing that everyone's going to be looking for is, is attention. But, you know, you look at um, the. the I, I was talking to a guy the other day who's just started a company um, where, and it's going gangbusters because what they do is they teach uh, new employees uh, how to talk from the phone uh, because. Kids now, when they, you know, reach 18, 19, 20, whatever, you know, after they finish university and they go into companies, they won't answer the phone um because they've never talked on phones before. And they've never talked to people before. It's all about and so yeah, he's running this company which is going gangbusters for onboarding um new employees to teach them all how to how to talk on phones. I mean, it's that's ridiculous, right? we're teaching kids how to code, but we're not teaching them how to actually talk to each other. Yeah. Um we're Talking to each other is so important for us as a species, and and we need to realise how important it is for the interaction for companies and so on. But yeah, when I work with companies, you know, one of the first things I do is, you know, there's a complete technology ban in the staff rooms, right? In in that in the kitchenettes and all of those sorts of things, no technology, no technology. You're not allowed to look at your phone or anything when you're walking down the corridor, because in the old days. You used to go to the thing to tea room, um, you know, the water cooler discussions and everything. You talk to people and you find out things and you work out who does what and what IT person helps and so on and so forth. I had someone the other day I was chatting to um, and said to me, oh, I'm having trouble with this certain thing at uh, Macquarie University. And I said, oh, well, you know, email Marcus because I know Marcus and I know he's really helpful. And they were like, oh shit, why didn't I do that, you know, weeks ago, um, Because I knew, because I know him and I've known him for a long time, he's really helpful and he's the IT guy that'll actually help you. And though I've spoken to several other IT people who are really unhelpful. Um, Right, Those things you find out by actually talking to people and spending time with people and so on. And and also in meetings and so on. You, You go into a meeting these days and everyone's on their phone texting and everything, or on their computer and so on, before the meeting starts, right? Rather than actually talking to each other. In the old days, what would have happened is everyone would have been talking to each other. Oh, did you finish that report? Oh, you know, I've been having trouble with this. Does anyone have any ideas about this or whatever? None of that happens anymore. and So all that knowledge has been lost and all that ability to actually know what's going on in the company and knowing what's... So, yeah, there's some really simple ways, really simple ways, that you can just get rid of the phones in those situations. I'm not saying ban them completely but just ban them from certain situations so that people actually connect with each other work out what they're doing and you get much more collaborative much more innovative company because everybody's you know keen to find out what everybody's doing and and then people actually go oh let's go for a beer after work or something like that right they actually interact with each other My god who would have thought i mean you know the city nowadays is is awful to go, you know, most evenings. Whereas, you know, you used to go into the city and and there'd be, you know, everybody from the offices
1: would be there in the pubs and all the rest of it. And these days, it's so quiet. And it's yeah, it's sad. It is sad. So, one piece of advice, Mark, to someone's listening to this: they're a owner company or they they've got a team. How do you implement a device free environment without sounding like a kind of a um, an old school boomer who? Just doesn't get technology or the, or the, the new generation.
0: Yeah, you can't, I mean, you can't just go in and say, bang, you know, stick up a sign. You've got to explain to people why this is. And knowledge is power. And people right. love knowledge, right? And so you've got to um, work out why you're doing it and then have a chat to people and just say, yeah. You know, face-to-face, sit down and actually have a chat to them and say, hey, this is why we're doing this, because we actually want to do, you know, we want to get more interaction. Um, You know, we're going to install, you know, a nice coffee machine in the team room and there's going to be no more devices and we're going to have, you know, whatever, pizza, days there or whatever. Well, on the days that you're all in, we're going to have pizza at lunchtime or we're going to have this at lunchtime or whatever. And so creating an environment where people actually want to put down their phones and actually want to go into those environments and actually spend time with each other. Um, And and yeah, I've always had I mean, you do get a couple of people who are like, oh, but you you probably don't want those people in your workforce anyway. So they're fine. They're going to go... (laughs) <laughs> and let them go and, and get someone else who's actually going to yeah embrace this because it's, it's so important. And you want to create an environment where everybody feels as though they're part of this and they're on the same journey, right, so that they can help you
1: with that journey and help you create a really good environment. I feel like this is a major missing piece of information for a lot of people. You know, a lot of the conversations we have on you know this Intelligent Performance podcast is really, you know, it's about going to the high level, But I think what you're talking about is almost it's like foundational. You know, like you can't even access high level. You know, you can't you know, we're talking about incremental improvements, the one percent piece. A lot of time I think we're missing it sounds like, especially in terms of how we're designing hybrid work environments, is that we're not even getting the fundamentals right and and there's no hope for high high performance, let alone intelligent performance. Um if we haven't got the real basics, and that sounds like where you're trying to kind of raise awareness or or, or educate, Mark would be a better way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's it's there's so many tweaks we could make, which would
0: make everybody's lives better and allow everyone to thrive and all organisations to thrive, um, and make all you know leaders' jobs so much easier i you know I, I see the stress in a lot of these people because they're just so confused yeah. um about how to go forwards and there's so many easy tweaks that we can do um to do that but, um it just takes a little bit of uh, with a little bit of knowledge about our brains and just to go back to that basic idea of what do our brains actually want rather than you know what what's new and
1: fancy and, and shiny um and it makes a huge difference in the companies yeah you can imagine. Mark, it's been a fascinating conversation. I have loved it. Uh, thank you so much. I hope of you have it on listeners um have enjoyed it as much as I have. Um but uh, yeah, you've answered many, many questions in terms of you know, and I think the real the challenge is real, right? I was I was talking about this with a corporate just yesterday, you know, like how do we navigate? hybrid and it is a real challenge it's not easy and but i think the fundamental piece is well we've got to start with us we've got to start with how our brain actually works how we work um and then work from there whereas it sounds like we've just kind of been reactive okay craig you work from home tomorrow like um which isn't a good way of doing things so look mark we're going to link to your um, terrific book the connected species goes into this in much more detail about you know neuroscience um we'll link to your website you've got some amazing resources on there so um yeah mark huge thanks for taking the time out to speak with us this morning no at all, Mark. great to chat with you